Welcome to the Motion Picture Podcast. Um, sorry for the way my voice sounds for probably a good bit of this episode. I just woke up. Um, but today, Audrey, we are doing something a little different. Um, yeah. We are not doing the very like typical talk about a singular movie that we normally will have. Um, I thought it would be best since the year is, is coming to a close... To get some uh, different people on, and we can discuss some of the best of the movies of the year. Um, so I'm just gonna ask uh, Audrey, how how would you feel about the movies this year? Were they, did you like the ones you saw, or you know? I liked the ones I saw. I very much liked the ones I saw, <laughs> which was like three, but I really did enjoy them. Um, obviously, I I watch a lot of movies in my spare time, so I've gotten a good feel for the uh, movies released. Obviously, I haven't seen all of them. There are a ton um, that I want to see that just aren't released near me yet. Um, but, like, from from what I got and the movies I did see, I think it is definitely the best post-COVID year for movies. Um, like, they had, we had some of the biggest directors, which we will talk about, uh, release movies. And, I mean, we started to see these big... You know, Blockbuster, I mean, you've seen what happened with Disney with losing a bunch of money. And we're starting to get that rise of, like, original movies or these artistic movies making money again. I mean, the whole uh, Barbenheimer thing was just kind of insane to watch unfold. And, I mean, I think this was, obviously last year we had um, movies like Top Gun where people would be, like, you know, going to the theaters a lot. But this was the year that people, like, really went to the theaters. Like, they were going more times than usual. And I thought instead of just us talking about our favorite movies, um, we could get a bunch of other people. So we all have ten um, people talking about their movies um, in little small segments. Uh, ten of these people may have been on this show before. They may have been on Episodic Cinema. They have not maybe not been on any of these podcasts at all. Um, so this will be ex- very exciting. And, well, we're going to be in here for a while, so I think we will waste no time. So let's get on to the first one. All right, Izzy, what was your movie? My movie was John Wick 4. And, all right, so uh, why why John Wick 4? So, I'm a really big fan of the whole John Wick series. I loved all the movies before this one, and I felt like it was a really good end of the series, like a good closing of the movie, and I felt like that the characters they introduced were very well written, and that's why I chose it. So, so Audrey, this is your favorite movie of the year, right? Right, Audrey? Okay, so Izzy's going to be kind of mad, but I found it very boring. No, I get that. I get that. Okay, but at the same time, I didn't watch the other two movies. I've seen the first one, and then I watched the fourth one. Yeah. Um, I think that John Wick 1 and John Wick 4 are the the best ones. I I prefer 2. 2 and 4 are my favorites. Yeah, the 
third one's kind of weak. I mean, third one's the weakest one. I think we can definitely agree. Uh, <laughs> um, I I think every year the the January and February like roster of movies is always very very small. I mean, like next this next year. I mean, all we have is movies like Mean Girls and Madam Web. Like we're not getting a ton. To get us through the first sixth of the year, um, but usually there's a movie that pretty big in March, that kind of sets the stage for the rest of the year. And this was absolutely that movie. I mean, like when I saw this for the first time, like just absolutely amazing. Um, I also got to rewatch this on a cruise ship, which was really a cruise ship at like twelve o'clock at night, which was really fun. Um, that sounds fun, yeah. Easily, easily the best action movie of the year. I mean, the entire last act is just kind of perfection, in my opinion. Um. So, so beside, I, w- I want to ask this uh, now. Besides John, do you have a favorite character from the movie? Um. I don't know. I I like the two other kids. The um, the blind guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I wait his name. Uh, John. Uh, I'm, I'm looking him up now. We have uh, that's Kane. Uh, by Don. Uh, played yeah, by Donnie Kane. Yen. I um. love every scene that. Uh, every scene that Kane was in, I thought it was really well written, and I think it was pretty cool to see how he fought, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. He was a very good character. I love the character. Um, char- the characters were very good. I liked the character. The 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 other character I I very much enjoyed was uh Shamir Anderson who plays a uh, tracker. Um, he is someone yes. trying to yeah. kill John uh for money, and he is. I would watch an entire movie about him. He's really he was a great no, new addition. I think I think they could they could definitely make a movie off of him. Um, well, you, well, you <laughs> did uh say in your little intro about the movie, that it was a very fitting conclusion. Do you think, obviously they had um, the uh, Continental Continental prequel series on um, on Peacock. There's a new um, spinoff movie called Ballerina next year, but do you think John Wick 4 is where it should end? Like, the entire franchise. I think, I think that for me personally, I think that it was a good end to John Wick's story. Yeah. But I feel like the whole Continental, we don't really know that much about it. And I feel like it's pretty cool that they're like opening up the universe not to just John Wick. Because like they they have spent I mean, not only these four movies building up John's story, but building this very intricate, like, set of characters and Yeah. My biggest fear and I, and I really hope is that if John Wick 5 gets me, I really hope, like, Keanu Reeves is done with the character. That is... Yes. That is my hope, because I think the way they they use his character without trying to spoil anything, like, it feels like his story is over, and we can kind of move on. But I also know that, like, um, studios like money. And... They yeah, will, that's sad. They will try everything they possibly can 
to get more money. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, this was my first, like, five out of five movie. Um, and it was it was one of, of the year, and it was one of those where I just kind of kept, like, telling myself, I was like, there's no way that uh, movies get better than this this year. Like, it really, like, came in and, like, blew me away. Um, yeah, I think it set the stage for the absolutely. other movies for this year, um, I think. Because a lot of a lot of people nowadays see the problem um, with, like, sequels. Like, that's the, you know, big problem. Because, I mean, like, I'm going to see if I can find it. But there is a uh, thing I saw um, where's this entire list of movies that are getting sequels next year. Um, I am trying to find the list um, because it is kind of insane how many sequels we're getting next year. Um, <clears throat> oh, so many sequels. But I, I mean, I don't think. Like, I know off the top of my head... Uh, Kung Fu Panda 4, um, okay, here we go, Joker 2, Dune 2, Smile 2, Sonic 3, Venom 3, Terrifier 3, Gladiator 2, Bad Boys 4, Deadpool 3, Inside Out 2, uh, Beetlejuice 2, Paddington 3, Ghostbusters 4, uh, Despicable Me 4, Kung Fu Panda 4, and Beverly Hills Cop 4. Like, there's a plethora of sequels coming out, and I don't think that the sequels are necessarily the problem. It's, like, the quality of them. Like, well, you know, no one's complaining yeah. about John Wick 4 being another sequel because it was really good. Um, yeah. And there were a ton of just really excellent sequels this year. Um, and I think that's I think that's where we kind of, like, get mixed up is the difference between, like, oh, this is just another superhero film... Again, or just another action film, or just another sequel, but, like, I think what we have, and this year very specifically, considering how many movies have bombed, like, somehow, in the past, like, few years, um, people's tastes have, like, now changed, like, um, and even though they didn't make John Wick, I mean, Disney alone, like, they used to have, like, a chokehold on the box office, and now they struggled the entire year. Um, and I, so I think it's not like, now it's not enough to just give people what they're familiar with, even though this is what John McFord did, but you have to use that to actually make something of quality. Yeah. Um. Plus, I think that the problem with sequels is, like, sometimes they don't stay true to the character. Yeah. They try to do, do too much to... They, they try to switch it up a little bit, and it's like... Because, like, there are some movies that you watch and you're like, that's, like, the end. Yeah. But then they try to make more money and it's like, this doesn't even, like, fit with the universe. Um, you can I, tell what's a cash grab and what was actually yeah. put thought and work into. Um, like, well, I'm going to try to, because I'm going to try to get a movie that we're not talking about. Like, uh, Murder Mystery 2, starring Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston on Netflix. That was a cash grab. It was an alright cash grab, but it was absolutely a cash grab. Um, okay, so another, uh, one more question I have for uh, both of you. Well, I actually have two more questions, but one's like a bigger one. Um, do you have a preferred action scene from this movie? 
Yes, I do. I think one of my favorite action scenes is whenever they, like, put the money up for John Wick and he has to fight, like, everyone oh, I, in the city. The entire last act, like, the last, like, 50 minutes of the movie is just action. Yeah, it is. Um. It really is. But, like, whenever he's in the, like, roundabout yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, for me, my my favorite is they. He's in like a warehouse of sort, like a big abandoned house, and the camera goes on the ceiling and begins to follow him, like a like a top down video game, and it's like this big one take, and he has this like fire shotgun. I, I mean, like I think that's what we'd call it. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know what else to call it. And, I mean, like, any action scene in here is one of the best of the year. Like, there's no doubt. Um, There's a fight scene at a club that I absolutely adore. Um, It's just phenomenal. Audrey, do you have a favorite? Okay, no, I do, actually. I do. I'm not the biggest action fan, but I do do have my favorite. It was the one when he, whenever, like, right after they made, like, the bet, after they were gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that fight scene. That actually grabbed my attention, and I loved it. Um, it was really good. All right. Uh, one one final question, Izzy, today. Uh, can you guess how many words John Wick said in this movie? Uh, so this movie is ten minutes short of three hours. Can you guess how many words he said in that movie, in the time? Like 20. Uh, he, he ended up saying just 380 words. Throughout three hours oh. of well, yeah, rent. that's like short. That's not that. It's a very much, not a lot of words for a movie. A whole paragraph. Um, he says a total of like three point one. Oh no, that's John Wick three. Dad it. Um, but no. Uh, yeah, I mean, like he is a very very silent in this movie. Um, well, uh, thank thank you, Izzy, for being here. Um, and talking about John John Wick 4. Um, let's go on to the next movie. Okay, bye. All right, bye. bye. All right, uh, next up, very similar to Izzy. Um, this is a person who has not been on any of the podcasts, but um, has brought a movie today that we will... Um, be able to really talk about. Um, welcome to the podcast, Jasmine. Um, Hi. So, uh, what movie did you bring today? Well, what is your favorite of the year? Uh, hello. The Barbie movie. <laughs> All right. Um the the Barbie movie, the biggest movie of the year. Um, it, um, came out in July, it was released, um, very famously alongside Oppenheimer, um, and it is one of the ones that we are covering that Audrey has seen, so that is, um, really great. So, uh, why did you choose the, uh, Barbie movie, Jasmine? It's the only movie I've seen this year. (laughs) You know what? I mean, if you were going to see one movie this year, that, I mean, that is up there as one of the best ones to see. Um, it is, 
uh, phenomenal. It is probably my favorite um, theater experience of the entire year. I mean, I saw it in a crowd of, like, screaming people. Um, I saw it three times within the same week. I, oh, dang. I, I haven't even what? done that. I loved it. I went to see it with my sister first. Huh? <laughs> I seen it the first time I went to see it, the movie wouldn't play. The screen was glitching out. That's oh. awful. I think I think that yeah. happened I think that happened the first time I went to go see Thor Love and Thunder. It like started playing apart from like th- like ten minutes into the movie and then would stop and then start it over. Um, that's crazy. I I mean I don't work at a movie seat theater, so I don't know how that you know stuff happens, but um, I mean this was an excellent like watch with a ginormous crowd kind of movie. Um, I mean the uh I'm just Ken scene alone was just something spectacular and um. I think I don't think it's won the most, but it's getting like a ton of nominations at like awards um outlets. What I mean, like I never would have expected from the Barbie movie. But like I mean it's gonna be running for Best Picture probably. Um I don't I don't think it's gonna win. But the fact that the Barbie movie is gonna just be in the top ten um is just hilarious to me. Um, but, like, so this is the highest grossing movie of the year. Um. Good. It should be. It is, I think, one of the... It really should be. One of the only two movies besides the, the Super Mario Brothers movie to cross a billion dollars at the box office. Um, one part because it released alongside Oppenheimer, so a bunch of people were doing back-to-back watches. Uh, I, I did not do that, um unfortunately, but also because this was a very, even though it was based off a toy, you know, it was very, like, humanly made. Like, it didn't feel like it was being made by a robot, you know? Um, Like, there was a lot of time and effort that went into, like, the entire movie, and it was just, I, I was very happy to see the, the, the response to it. I do think, um, every, every award season, there's, like, a villain, like, one that starts, like, taking every single award, and I just, I have a gut feeling that this is gonna be that villain, because, like, it is... I mean, this movie will most likely be nominated for three of the five best original song. Like... Which, I mean, is fair, because the songs are really good in this movie. Um, the soundtrack is everything. Real. Um, I mean, you have, like, Billie Eilish will be nominated for this movie... Um, Dua Lipa will be nominated for her song. Ryan Gosling is absolutely getting nominated for I'm Just Ken, which, um, I mean, which is funny because usually, I mean, I don't think it, it might be a case where, like, 
songs don't get played. Um, but, like, that means that we will be hearing I'm Just Ken performed live at the Oscars, which will be... I, 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 I don't think of that. I don't think it'll win. I think Billie Eilish will probably take it, but being able to see that live will just be... Well, I won't see it live, but I'll see it on my TV uh, filmed live, but I am very excited. Um, and so this is a movie that, um, from me, and, and this is, uh, is like a little embarrassing to love as much as I do. Um, just, you know, because I'm a guy and, you know, really being interested in the Barbie movie, um, is just kind of strange, but I mean, the, the, the discourse that came around this movie is just one of the most, for me, infuriating bits of, like, I have seen. Um, because there was a lot of these reports that this movie was anti-men. And, like, it is one of the stupidest things I have ever heard. Because it's not. Like, it makes fun of guys and that's alright, but it also, like, even though, you know, it reframes for a good bit of the movie, Ken, as this kind of, you know, idiot, and, you know, does some stupid things, and, you know, but he, they, the, the filmmakers, and they feel, still kind of feel sympathy for him, like, he's not, like, a, a super big villain, like, he's just someone who doesn't really know his purpose, um, so I, I never understood those anti-men. It was just a bunch of insecure guys just not knowing what to do with their emotions. I, I never fully understood that discourse. Um, I think mostly it's because if you go in to the mind, if you're already in that mindset that Barbie is going to be really against men, that's all you're going to see. Yeah, you're not going to get you anything You have to else. look at it. From a very, you don't know what it is. Because they heard, like, it was very women empowering. Very much, yeah, let's go, girls. And so, <laughs> obviously, they're like, oh, so it must be bad to men. And that's all they see. Um, I yeah. mean, like, it's, it's like, very, you know, well done. And, um, what I think it's so good about this movie is, and I have, <laughs> me and my mom have, like, gone on record saying this multiple times to my dad. It's a movie about a toy brand that, even though, like, some of us may not want to... I mean, it was made to sell toys, to a certain extent. Like, it was greenlit and allowed to happen to sell toys. But the the director, uh, Greta Gerwig, who has directed movies like uh, Lady Bird and Little Women, um, she really took it and, like, made something out of it and gave it a voice. Like, this isn't a movie to sell toys that, that, like, I think can be up, and it's gonna be a weird one to compare to, but can be up there with something like the Lego movie. As, like, something about toys, made to sell toys, but, like, exist, it has a reason to exist. And she actually has something to say through the Barbie movie. Which, again, like, even though, again, it's a toy movie... So being at number one, there's, like, still some things there. But, like, 
she genuinely had a something that she wanted to use this Barbie move, movie to get out there, and she did it. Like, this is not something incredibly shallow. Like, there's, I mean, like, the themes aren't the most subtle. There is, like, a scene in the movie where the character basically yells what the mo part of the movie's about. But, like, it has something. Like, it's not soulless. It's not, like, a machine made it. It's something incredibly, like, well-made. Um, and I, I do love it. It is in my top ten of the year, which, I mean, I never expected to happen, but it's there. Um, and I will be, I will be losing my mind when I Am Just Ken is performed at the Oscars. Um, it'll be the highlight of that night. Um, uh, so, so before you go, I'm gonna do this, I, I did this before with John Wick, and I'm gonna do this for everyone after. I'm gonna end off on a question for both of you guys. Uh, who is your favorite character in Bar the Barbie movie? If you could choose Barbie. one. Barbie. Which one? They're, they're all Barbies. Uh, I think it's the Barbie. Which, wait, which one I couldn't... Stereotypical Barbie. So, so Margot Robbie? The main character. That is yeah. uh, complete. I love Margot Robbie. Um, I mean, just like it's it's funny to think that like her first breakout performance was ten years ago with The Wolf of Wall Street. Like she has had one of the biggest careers, like from start to where it is now. Like it's insane. She's so good. She is a really phenomenal actress. She's amazing. Um, Audrey, what is your favorite character in the Barbie movie? Um, I really liked the mom actually. I was, I was, yeah, I think my, the mom, uh, played by America Ferreira, is, I think, one of my predictions for Best Supporting Actress. I think she has a chance to get in, um, I mean, deservedly so, like, she is, again, she delivers the long, thematic monologue that I mentioned, um, but, like, she is really, I, I was surprised with how much they gave her, um, based on the trailers, uh, for me, um, I have to go with the boring choice. Well, it, it's not one that's like a main character, but it still feels kind of boring to choose. Um, and that is Alan, played by uh, Michael Sarah. Uh, oh, he was, I love Alan. He I was about him. absolutely amazing, and um, it's all—it's always great seeing Michael Sarah again. Um, well, thank you, uh, Jasmine, for being here and talking about the Barbie movie. Um. And let's move on to the next one. Well, uh, changing things up just a little bit, um, we have someone who's actually been on a podcast before. Um, she was on an episode of Episodic Cinema um, talking about Whiplash and um, has brought another... Uh, favorite movie of mine to the podcast. Uh, welcome, Eliza. Um, hey, thank you for having me. Um, um, what movie did you choose today? This was a tough one. Like when you messaged me to ask, like my favorite of twenty twenty three. That's just so hard because I feel like it's been such a good year in film. Um, but all in all, I had to go with like one that, like the second I left the theater, I I knew like that movie definitely up there, and that's gonna be Oppenheimer. Um, 
like I said, super tough choice. I think what it came down to was uh, there's so much of this film that uses like fairly simple like filmmaking techniques, but it just does like the basics of filmmaking so like perfectly. It really like found, I don't know, like just the perfect niche. The performances are incredible across the entire ensemble, really, especially from Killian Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. But there's not a bad performance. Um, the practical effects are, of course, what a lot of people are going to talk about, and they're gorgeous. They're incredible. There's just sounds like the sound mixing, the cinematography. It's all just, it's all gorgeous. It's a very well-made film with not much to complain about and some really good writing. Um, so all in all, I'd have to give it my favorite of the year. This is, is also my favorite of the year. Um, <laughs> I have poured four watches into this movie. I've seen it multiple times. Um, I have the Blu-ray at home, so I will be watching it again sometime in my life, over and over again. Um, this was my most anticipated of the year. I am a massive Christopher Nolan fan. He is kind of the director who got me into movies with The Dark Knight and Inception. Um, and, I mean, like, there was a part of me that, like, didn't want to put Oppenheimer as my favorite just because that was so <laughs> expected, but, like, it's the one that, like, I have not been able to stop thinking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to see this in, um, IMAX, which was oh, fantastic. I, um, I bought the tickets, and when I had gotten them, every single seat from the third row up had been taken. <laughs> so I was at, like, the third row to the screen. So, like... Lord. Um, you really felt those practical effects. <laughs> absolutely. It, um, very, very, speaking of practical effects, very controversially, um, this movie did not get on the short list for best visual effects at the Oscars, which is very much, believe. like, they recreated the Trinity test and they will not be getting right. an Oscar. Um, and even the- Are you being for real? Yeah, I'm abs being so That's serious. That's awful. Indiana Jones 5 and, uh, Ant-Man 3 got it over- Ant Man. Oh. Um, if you've if you've seen anything from Ant Man, it is probably the guy that looks like Mister Electric from Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> like, that is the level of visual effects that we're dealing with over the recreation of the Trinity test. Um, That's insane. I mean, beyond just the Trinity test scene, I think the visual effects used to like display his different like anxieties and thought processes throughout the film are also like nothing short of incredible like even the opening like prometheus little montage is like just so visually stunning um, so it's just it's insane so um right now i think they got i i can't remember when this was decided but like a few weeks ago um japan finally agreed to release this movie in the country and in January, it'll be going back to um, IMAX 70mm, which is like 20 theaters in the entire country can do that. Um, and I'm jealous of the, I think there's one in Nashville. I think that's the nearest one to us. But um, that means, from where it's at now, if it gets a good bit of money from reissues and from Japan, this movie will probably cross a billion dollars at the total box office, which... For a, a three-hour-long drama. Impressive. Very impressive. Also, I still think... Obviously, you know, other movies, I think... Um, something like Killers of the Flower Moon may try to best it, but I still think this is the front-runner 
for yeah. best picture, for best actor, best supporting actor. Like, it is going to be winning a bunch of categories, and I am absolutely there for it. Look um, forward to it. <laughs> so, uh, Audrey, you have a controversial opinion on this movie. Um, I did not enjoy... Oh, well, I enjoyed Oppenheimer. I was just bored throughout most of it. <laughs> See, I was I was going to say that um, I think it's very impressive that for a three-hour runtime and <laughs> a biopic, it, it's, like, managed to hold my attention very well. I thought, like, it was well-paced. It feels fast, despite being three hours. So, like, that's an in, interesting In its defense, I did see it at, like, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, I saw it at, like, <laughs> so 10 o'clock at morning. So that I also weigh into it. Um, I think, I, and it's fine, I'm, like, thinking of this now. I think I know how my favorite movie is gonna be chosen now. And, and it's weird, because it happened to my favorite movie of last year, and it happened to my favorite movie of this year. But whatever my favorite movie is, uh, Logan Paul will go on Twitter and write an entire thing about why he hated the movie. It happened with Nope last year, and it happened with this movie. I don't know why there's a correlation with that. But, like, he hated both of those movies, and they're my favorite of the year. So that is how... So if, if this basis goes, uh, Dune Part 2 will probably be... He will probably have a very awful review of it. Um, <laughs> because, like, his review for Oppenheimer was just... It's just dudes talking. Like, I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into. And then I, I remember seeing the responses... Where people are like, was this what he was expecting? And it was like, half the screen was Oppenheimer and the other half was like Subway Surfers. <laughs> um, like, I, it is always... He's talking, come on, man. Like, even though, like, I'm, you know, I have to at this point, like, I have to respect other people's opinions. It's, it's fun seeing everyone not even come close to respecting his opinion. Um, I think disagreeing with Logan Paul is a it's Logan great Paul. Quick <laughs> Um, so I saw this, uh, once in IMAX... And then I saw it once, uh, very legally, because I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then, uh, back in September, I think it was, um, they did this, uh, National Cinema Day, where, like, tickets were, like, $4. Um, so I went to rewatch it. The theater was full. It was great to see. And then I rewatched it uh, a few weeks ago, just because I felt like it. Um, it is just... It's something that surprisingly gets quicker every single time I watch it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, especially, like, the first time I watched it, I definitely thought the first segment, like, the first chunk of it felt like it was going really slow. Yeah. But knowing, I mean, it goes, like, really fast the more I revisit it. Um, I also, I, it was probably, I have gotten with uh, Letterboxd, which, you know, is the movie reviewing thing, um, I, I used to do, like, you know, joke reviews, which were, like, you know, a lot of people do joke reviews, um, but then I, like, you know, saw, like, a bunch of people online complaining about them, so I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna do actual reviews, and that's what I do now, like, my second review for Oppenheimer is by far, I'm just gonna show you guys, by far the oh most <laughs> I have written about a movie. <laughs> But I still stand that my first review of the movie is the, my favorite. Um, I said, it looks like the scariest film of the year won't go to a horror movie. Because the ending of this movie just broke me. Um, 
it is so well framed the ending terrifying um and like it's very funny so like the movie ended like the first time i saw it in imax and it ended and like every single person just sat there right and it took like 30 seconds for people to just get up and start moving because like (laughs) we were just kind of in awe about what we saw and Mm -hmm. um i mean like this year and i've already talked about this very previously um, best year, I think, for movies since COVID, I think. Um, I'd agree. Since 2019. Like, we had some of the best filmmakers of all time, you know, come back and make these big movies. And, again, there's always this part of me throughout the past few months where all these, you know, Oscar movies are coming out. Where I'm like, do I want Oppenheimer to be my favorite? Do I want to be that guy? Right. <laughs> because, like, that one is, like, choosing... Something like Everything Everywhere All at Once or Tar last year. Right. Like, that being your favorite. Like, it, like great movie. Fantastic movies. But, like, but like I have not... Like, I've tried to talk myself into other movies being my favorite just mm-hmm. to be, quote-unquote, different. But I have never stopped thinking about this movie. Um, and I will not yeah. rest until my entire family has seen it. Um, I have the the Blu-ray at home, and it will be watched very, very soon. Um, well, to close it out, um, I have a question for both of you. Um, so, one thing that was very well documented about this movie before, like, even trailers came out, was the ginormous cast it was building. Um, as, as I read one time, it got every famous white guy in history, in in Hollywood, (laughs) to be in this movie... Um, all delivering fantastic performances. Um, so besides, um, Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, and Robert Downey Jr., because I think they're the main three, do you guys have a favorite, like, very short performance? Um. Edward Teller! Uh, yeah. Mm, that's a good one. Benny Safdie, uh, yeah. the, from the Safdie brothers, uh, definitely the acting, one of the brother. I mean, he also had, uh, was in Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret this year. But, I mean, he was giving given a lot more than I thought. I mean, he was fantastic. Maybe, oh, this is so tough. I love all of the, the white guys featured in this movie. Oh. Maybe Josh Hartnett uh, as Lawrence. I really liked him. Very good. I'm not, I was never familiar with Josh Hartnett a lot. Yeah. This was the first thing I've seen of his. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm familiar with his movies, but like, I haven't seen anything. This was my first experience with Josh Hartnett, and he really surprised me. Um, I do want to before I, I choose my top one. I do want to do some honorable mentions because they're again, um, Dane DeHaan as Kenneth Nichols as the guy yeah. who uh, also against Oppenheimer, but like more aggressively um, was really great. One that I, I really want to choose is uh, David Crummeltz as um, Isidore Robbie, or Rabbi, I can't, um, as the man who is friends with Oppenheimer but refuses to do to work on the project um, and delivers one of the best lines of the whole year where it's like, I don't want, like, years of, like, like scientific evolution to be used for mass destruction. I, I'm massively paraphrasing that, but it really sums up the entire movie, but my favorite short-lived performance is easily uh, Casey Affleck as Boris Pash. He gets two scenes, 
and one is basically where he's just interrogating Oppenheimer, but, like, very subtly, like, it is literally him talking, but it is just very, very much filled with tension, um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't recommend Oppenheimer enough, um, and then one last thing is, uh, very cool, is that, uh, when it released, the 4K versions of this movie went out of stock, which is insane, and in a time that, uh, there was a lot of talk about, di uh, physical media dying, it was really nice seeing something like that happen, um, well, thank you, Eliza, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, and let's move on to the next movie. Alright, so, may have seen this person on the uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower episode, or on the Movie Draft podcast, um, because today, right now, we have uh, Vinny. Welcome. Um, so what movie would you say is your favorite of the year? Um, okay, this one's kind of basic, but I like it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, at, at first, I think, um, the one you chose, like, you chose initially, um, was a very popular movie, so I had to, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, one of the biggest movies of the year, one of the most, uh, Highly anticipated. Um, I mean, this movie has been in just a long, long bit of development. Yeah, it, I've been following it since they announced it uh, back in December of last year. And I've just been super excited for it, and I was really excited to see it. Um, so, it, It's funny because uh, originally, at one point in time... Uh, Chris Columbus, um, the director of the first two Harry Potter movies, uh, Miss Doubtfire, the, the first two Home Alones, he was originally going to direct this. Wow. Um, but, like, obviously, didn't, you know, come to be anything. Um, released, you know, very recently. I got to see it in theaters. It was really fun. It was also um, very similar to Barbie, one where the audience participation with the movie helped a ton. Um, because this was not the most well-received movie of the year. Um, there, yeah, I saw a lot of mixed reactions. There are, there are a lot of people who really, really hate this movie. Um, I really like it. I, for it being the first movie in the that's ever been made about Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, it was pretty good. I I was I really enjoyed it. I also I like I I and it's one of these where I don't really understand the hate that this movie got. Like yeah, it was no, cuz I remember with my family, me and my dad really liked the movie, but my brother and sister were really mad because it didn't fit with the lore. I mean, it was kind of I mean, are they, like, the people who've seen the entire game theory compilation of the lore? You know? Um, I've, I've, like, followed the lore for a while, and they have specified that it's, like, the movie lore is different from yeah. the game lore. Um, 
and that's fine. Like it's cool. Uh, we don't want to, it, it, we don't want an exact copy of the game that we already have. You yeah. Know? Plus, like if you do that, you might a- alienate people who haven't played the games. Um, yeah, so, and they also said they're not looking. They weren't looking to like get any new fans. This movie was like it's like Ford. Even though, yeah, yeah, I don't know, and that people were mad because it wasn't as gory as they thought it would be. Okay, that that I can get behind. That is the big criticism I can, I can level with. I do think, I understand fully why it was PG thirteen. I understand it because like, yeah. kids could have horror movies they can go to, um, and like plus kids love FNAF. Yeah, um, like I yeah, I just, but I think it's a very similar thing to Megan. Because that was PG-13, but when they released it on, like, digital and on, like, Blu-ray, they had an unrated, like, more gory cut. And that's what I wish they would have done. But there's no cut out there that's R-rated. That is my big issue with it. Is, especially the spring lock scene. Oh, yeah. I just wish they could have done a little bit more. They did more more than I thought they would with the spring lock scene. Yeah. Um, there is one kill near the middle, um... The uh, biting, the biting one, without like, saying too wow. much, that was really well done. Um, Very. So this kind of sparked a ongoing, I, I mean, it's not going as much now, but like I've still seen it around, long uh, obsession that people have now with Josh Hutcherson. He is, me included. He is everywhere. Uh, and then obviously, I, my, my other, my other big issue with this and it's less of an issue with like oh, it's bad. It's not bad, but it's something where I wanted more Matthew Lillard. That yeah, he is. I think we obviously know him from either Scream or the Scooby Doo movies, but like Definitely. yeah, he's so iconic. He is a very talented, like actual actor, you know. Very. And I just wish they could have given given him more, because like when he wants to be a villain, he will have so much fun. And, like, I liked it. I liked his performance when he was on screen, but he just wasn't there much. Um, I, I'm more saying this to Vinny, because, no offense, Audrey, I just I just know how this question may be received. Um, do you remember a point in time where it was reported that this movie would be three hours long? Yes. Um, I'm glad it's not. Like, yeah. there was... I mean, that also recently happened, um, very weirdly, with a, uh, movie called Civil War, um, which comes out, uh, next May, um, it's directed by Alex Garland, and that was reported to have a three-hour and 15-minute runtime on IMDb, and then yesterday, yesterday they were like, no, it's an hour and 50, I don't know where they get this information from to, like, have the completely wrong showtime, like, (laughs) runtime. But, uh, so what is your, what is your, uh, opinions on the, uh, cameos in this movie? I was literally about to bring that up. Oh my gosh. Um, so the security guard in the first scene, like the first scene of the whole movie mm-hmm. was supposed to be Markiplier. I am... He had scheduling issues, but at the same time, I feel like they're probably going to give him a bigger cameo they in the have next to. one if his schedule's good. Because why would you put, like, the man who popularized FNAF as the first person to die in the movie, though? Yeah. I mean, he is also uh, currently working on 
a feature-length film. Yeah. Uh, Iron Lung, which I'm very excited to see when it comes out. Yes. Um, but I am glad they didn't kill him off. Um, yeah. But then obviously you had... Uh, like the opportunity to do more in the next movie with him. You had uh, Matthew Patrick, a.k.a. Mr. <laughs> Game Theory. Um, I screamed. I literally screamed in the theater when I saw him. I, no, same. I'm I'm one of those people. I I was a big th- uh, film theory fan, uh, obviously knowing me. Um, so I was like I was very excited when he was there. He also made a video, uh, a few weeks. Talking if you, about like the behind the scenes. Was yeah. really cool. It was also kind of a little scary, because he talked about like his day of filming. It's a very simple scene. I did like. 12 hours of that one scene. scene, I'm like, oh gosh, like that terrified me. I was like, they were like moving different tables and moving couches, and I, I was like, oh, that sounds... There's gotta be a better way to get the shot, yeah. right? Um, and then uh, Corey Kenshin, which I was not I was not familiar with, but my audience was absolutely oh. familiar with. Oh my gosh, my mom and brother are, like, obsessed with his videos. They watch every single Spooky Scary Sunday. I love Spooky Scary Sunday. It is so good. They, they lo- The audience lost their minds during that. He got a well, lot of, like, FNAF analog horror on his stuff. I love analog so horror. That's why, that's why yeah, but at the same time, that. he posted on his YouTube that he was going to be in it, so I wasn't very shocked when I saw him. Huh. Yeah, because that one yeah. was he was in the trailer, so I was yeah. yeah. So I like I like, I guess if you hadn't seen the trailer or watched his video, I guess you were like surprised. Luckily, the game theory one was decent. It was pretty surprised. Like it wasn't like it was expected, but it was still pretty fun to see. Yeah, I'm really. I'm glad I decided to watch the movie like the day it came out because I know I would have got it spoiled. Uh, I I I had to yes. see. It. I had to wait. I did get it spoiled though. Uh, but not, like, too bad. Like, I was like, I kind of have an understanding of... Like, I was not going to be, bl- like, blown away when Matthew Lillard is, you know. Like, I, I was watched like, it on Peacock at, like, 3 a.m. at, like, the night it came out. And I was on FaceTime with Alex, and I was just going insane. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was like, I saw, like, reports of, like, oh, it's coming out on, like, Thursday night. And I was just, like, waiting it for it to get, like, uploaded to a certain website. And it never did until, like, the Saturday I went to go see it in theaters. So I was like, ah, it's not even worth it. Um, okay, so, um, ending this little part off with this uh, little question. Uh, what's your favorite of the four animatronics? I'm gonna ask. Do you have a, do you have a favorite of the four? That's a hard one, but Foxy. Audrey, Audrey, do you have a, do you have a favorite? Okay, yes. I do, but I'm gonna. Uh, don't judge me, okay? It's Chica. I really like Chica. Right. Um, I will. I will have to agree with Vinny. I Foxy is the best one. I mean, because I mean, the, has a hook for a hand. That's just cool. Um, and he can run. And he can He's run. The only one that can run. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. They um, say that he died running. That's why. It was great. Uh, as long, I mean, like, I wonder if there's anyone out there who's gonna prefer Freddy over the bunch, which is just like basic. Oh, I said it. <laughs> um, so I mean, uh, there's obviously uh, a sequel in development. Um, 
it was it's also funny there this is the year of like horror movies coming out and then not long after a sequel um because they announced they're working on a megan 2 they're working on a thanksgiving 2 and then i mean obviously they're gonna make a second five nights at freddy's um and i'm very excited to see what they can do with the story um even though i haven't played Wait, they're any... making a thanksgiving 2 yeah i just haven't seen the first one it's so good um it's really good but I haven't played any of the FNAF games, um, but, like, I've watched videos. Just based on, like, what I find interest in, I would love a... And I know it would have to take a while. Um, I can't remember the name of... What's the name of, like, the new... Re, like, the recent... The most recent game? Um, with the it's big... The is that the one with the big mall? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I want to see. Just because, like... That one's really... And lately, that's the only game, that's the only last game I'm good at, because the other ones I grew up playing, but I never figured out how to get past, like, night two. I would, I just kind of, I, I like, it'd be interesting, because I've, like, seen parts of it, and, like, to have that mall, like, practically, would be awesome, because it's, like, a huge yes. building. I remember watching Corey Kenshin play Security Breach. It, it oh probably, they'll probably do something like FNAF 2 or Sister Location or something like that. So they'll probably wait. Oh, that would be so good. I would love to see Sister Location. Like, if they do... I think if they do Security Breach, it'll be like a TV show or something. I think it's gonna be a while. Um, well, uh, thank you, Vinny, for being here. Um, thank you. Talking about the FNAF movie. Um, yeah! Alright. On to, on to the next one. All right. <clears throat> Next up, you may have seen her in the uh or heard her rather in the um Polar Express episode not too long ago. Um so our next guest is Ellie. Welcome Hola. back. Welcome back. Um so so what movie was your favorite of the year? I chose Elemental mostly because like it was cute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really nice and it was the first thing that came to my head. Um I mean I really liked Elemental. Elemental is very interesting because of how it did like financially. Um because at first for like the first week or two this movie bombed. Like it made no money. And then like slowly but surely like, it ended up, like, getting more and more people coming, and it was really cool to see, because, um, I know a lot of people that, like, don't love Elemental, but I, like, really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was so good. It reminds uh, me of, um, Fireboy and Watergirl games. <laughs> literally. Um, I, I have an interesting experience with watching this movie, because, um, I had, like, a few weeks before, like, had, like, pre-bought my tickets. I was like, all right, I'm just going to have them ready so when I go see it. And, like, the day of the movie, they changed the showtime I was going to to 3D. So I was going to see Elemental in 3D. Um, but I learned that 3D glasses do not work on a person that already has glasses. Oh. So I would either sit there with the glasses on and the 3D just not work and everything was like green and purple or I just 
had to deal with the, the movie looking just a little weird. Um, also, I was sitting through Elemental, which is a, I mean, surprisingly, because I, I, I didn't expect Pixar to really do it, but it is a, a, a basically a rom-com for most of it. So I was just kind of sitting through it, and, um, but uh, it's 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 really great. Um, Pixar is is, uh, I don't really know at this point. I mean, they are uh, one of the most well-respected animation companies. They've delivered some of the most classic animated movies of all time, like Toy Story and The Incredibles. Um, but I think recent, I think I think recently. With Disney, I mean, none of their recent movies have been bad, but they have felt just a little, you know, eh. Yeah. eh. And I mean, like I've I've loved a good bit of movies that have come out recently. Um, Toy Story Four, I was a pretty big fan of. Um, I was a really big fan of the movie Soul. Um, oh, that was so good. It, that was really good. Um, which will be re-released in theaters in a few weeks, and I'm very, I really want to see it again. Um, I enjoyed Luca a lot. Um, oh, I forgot about that movie. Uh, Turning oh. Turning Red existed, and that's the highest praise I will give that movie. Actually, it looks nice. It looks nice. I'll give it that. It's good, good animation. And then Lightyear is a movie that, for Audrey and me, has at least... A little significance, but as a movie, is just okay. Yeah. Because it, it was the first movie me and Audrey saw, like, you know. Um, it was? Yeah, it was Lightyear. I didn't know that. Um, and then, was that last year's? I think that was last year's. And then this year's Elemental. And I I remember the the day before watching this, I was I was not looking forward to it. Like I thought it, I thought it looked really boring, um, but I, I was proven wrong because it is, like, really fun. Like it has like really nice characters and I had a lot of fun. Um, Ellie, how did you how did you watch the movie? Did you like go to like theaters? It? No, no. Or elemental. Elemental. Um, no, I sit in my room. It was not, I. <laughs> I like the comfort of my home. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm always like a person who goes to the movies when he when he can. Um, and I remember, I think it was like behind or not behind, beside, like an entire family. So I think they enjoyed it too. Um, Audrey, what did you think? So you got so unlike me, you got to see this Pixar rom com with a partner. How, how did that change? Did that change the experience in any way? It really. It really did, because um, going into it, um, we actually dressed up as the characters, <laughs> so I, it was really fun, and I really thought that we would relate, we did relate to the movie, and during the movie, there were parts where I just looked at him, and I'm like, oh my god, that's definitely you, and he would look at me, and we'd go, that's you, and it's just, it's great, because like, it's nice to see yourself reflected in a relationship that works really well. Um, between like, it's like reliving that beginning of a relationship, and I just loved watching it. Ah, it was so fun. I really liked it. Be- and really enjoyed between, it. Between between um, the fire girl and the water guy. Between you and your boyfriend, who's who's which? 
Okay. Who, whose personality matches up the most? I gotta, I gotta ask. Okay. I'm definitely the water guy, and he's the fire girl. Really? I would not have yeah. seen that. I, I, I genuinely thought it would be the opposite. Yeah. That, that's very surprising. I, I don't know. Well, it's more of like, it's not the way they interact. It's more of like the life that they live. Oh. Gotcha. I just, I was I was just going purely on a on a like personality thing because like I feel like I feel like the water guy Wade I think his name's Wade uh, he's yeah. like very like awkward and like you know kind of yeah and I'm not awkward at all but like you're not like that kind of like pathetic awkward that he is you know he's like like you know like he's like scared in conversations and like he like. You know, I I don't know. Um, so so, do you guys have a favorite Pixar movie? Like a, with, um, like a like a number one? Like I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard because I don't remember which one's Pixar and which one's. If Aww. it's, I mean, I think. Besides Brave, they don't have many female protagonists, I think. Well, no, they do, but they don't have, like, adult female protagonists, usually. Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Ratatouille is good. Ratatouille or Wally. Ratatouille or Wally. They are, they are both very good movies. Um, I think Ra- Ratatouille has definitely seen a spike in interest as of late. Um, Did they ever make the musical? There was a musical? There was a musical they were making a musical. I, they might have. I just never saw it. Um, that'd be really interesting. Like the costume wise would be very interesting. Um, I think Audrey, do you do you have one? I mean, you can just like, like just say something, and I can I can tell you if it's I'm Pixar scared. or not. I'm so scared. This is wrong. What? I'm gonna say up. Up is Pixar. Oh thank God. Up is Pixar. <sighs> Um, that is, that, that is one of the f- best first ten minutes of any movie ever. Um, uh, and, and the soundtrack. And the soundtrack's beautiful. I think, I think my I like favorite that. would be probably The Incredibles. That, that's, it's a boring choice, but it's, it's really good. Um, yeah, Elemental, I mean, like, did pretty well. It's probably gonna get nominated for best animated movie but it's a it's a shame that this came out the same year as um another animated movie that me and Audrey will be talking about on this episode um because like it really is like it I don't think it's a movie that's necessarily breaking any new grounds like it's not like changing anything up the way some Pixar movies have but it is like very um what's what I I'm trying to think of the word. It's um very I guess comfortable, but that sounds like a little too mean. It's confident in where it stands and what it's doing. Um like it's not trying to it's not buckling under the weight of its own like ambition. Um and it is like also like the animation's beautiful in this movie. It is. I um, love how it's, like, the light 
whenever she like stands in front of him oh, or something it's like beautiful. that. It's so pretty. Um one one, one one final thing I want to talk about because I thought this was really funny. Um, do you guys remember that one Earth guy, the Claude? I think his name. Do you remember yep. him? Um. So so back in June, Disney did this fake marketing thing, where they would post a video from a theater, in that when Claude appeared on screen the audience would erupt in cheers. Because, like, that would happen in, like... Like, there's, like, videos like that from, like, Spider-Man or Avengers Endgame where, like, people would get excited to see someone um, and they would cheer. But it's, it's like, so obvious that it's fake. Um, <laughs> that it was, like, really That's funny. So funny. Um, oh, my God. Well, well, thank you, Ellie, for, for coming back. And talking about Elemental. Oh, of course. Um, and hey, I think it's on Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's back on. So, um, definitely check it out if anyone is interested. So, thank you for being here. <laughs> recognize this person as the third um, host of the Movie Draft podcast. Uh, with us now is Case. Welcome. Hello. Uh, what movie What movie did you bring today? I have brought Asteroid City directed by Wes Anderson. And, alright, so one, absolutely agree. Um, and two, why did you choose Asteroid City of all the movies? I chose this because it was my intro into Wes Anderson. Um, I had never seen another Wes Anderson movie, despite, um, some of his other popular ones, like Fantastic Mr. Fox, I had never seen before. Um, and when I saw, um, the previews for that over the summer, it was just so colorful and filmed so differently that it caught my attention a lot more than I thought it would. It's, it's funny that you say it's your first, uh, Wes Anderson, because it is, Easily the most Wes Anderson movie Absolutely. ever made. Um, he is truly leaning into like everything he knows how to do. Um, it, you know, it looks. I mean, all his movies look incredibly unique mm-hmm. um, compared to like just other normal movies. Um, and you know, just the, one of my favorite directors very fast because of this movie. Ab- absolutely, he is up there. I I also binged most of his movies over the summer. Um, just absolutely phenomenal director. So, um, Audrey, you watched this movie, um, for the first time yesterday. Also, I think besides I think besides Fantastic Mr. Fox, your introduction to Wes Anderson. How how'd that go? I really enjoyed it. Like, it was actually really good, mm-hmm. and I really love the visual ways that, like, it represented everything, but I did not understand the point That's of the play. Absolutely. very much confused. You are not alone in that. I think for a while after I first saw it, I had, it, it took a while to fully pull out some meaning with this movie. Yeah, I had to watch it twice before I understood it. Um, and, and it's funny, I, I, I will do minor spoilers here, but it's kind of funny how many people, including all three of us, were confused at the plot and trying to make sense of it. 
<laughs> considering that's its big theme. Yeah. Was that you can't always find meaning and that you can't always grapple to that kind of safety. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. Which, it again, it took me, like, months to get anything out of it. Um, yeah. But it helps that it is a Wes Anderson movie and is also very funny. Um, it is really funny. Steve Carell alone in this movie is one of the funniest characters I've seen all year. Um, he plays, like, a man, a hotel manager that, like, also sells, like, real estate. And he is just hilarious. Um, this movie was also my intro to Jason Schwartzman. I had never seen another one of his movies I, until Asteroid City. Jason Schwartzman having the year of his life. Yeah, um, he, absolutely. He played the spot in um, Spider-Verse. He was here. He was in the Hunger Games movie. Like, he had a pretty good year. Um, yeah, since since Asteroid City, I've been bending a good bit of his movies. Definitely an underrated... Oh, well, I mean, also, he was a voice actor in um, the Scott Pilgrim TV show. Mm-hmm. Which I have not gotten the chance to check out, but I do want to. Um, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, so, Case, where does this rank in between all the Wes Anderson movies for you? Um, for me, I liked Rushmore a little bit more than I like this one, but this one is probably, this is probably right under Rushmore, so number two for me. For me, this is, I think, fifth. Um, yeah. it's kind of tied for the French, with the French Dispatch, which was his last movie. I have not um, seen that yet. It is very, it's his most, I think, hardest to get to, I mean, because it's like three short stories instead of one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is kind of his most widely acclaimed. Um, mm-hmm. The the World Tenenbaums, which is... I'm very excited to watch that one. So, I haven't yet, but I'm so, so excited. Um, and then Fantastic Mr. Fox is his best movie, and I will... It's so good. I watched um, that over the summer. I loved it. Do you have, I'm going to ask both of you this, do you have a favorite, like, supporting performance in here? It's like, a, it's like a similar deal to, like, Oppenheimer, where some of the best roles only get, like, one or two scenes. Margot Robbie in oh. Asteroid City. That was, I, that whole scene, ooh. It was, and it's, like, surprising, because, like, you think it was someone of the acting caliber of Margot Robbie would be in it for... A lot more than just a single scene. Yeah, she just shows up and then it's never brought up again. Um, definitely delivers one of the more thematic scenes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Audrey, do you have a favorite? Any uh, character? Um, I'm thinking about that scientist lady. Oh, um, hold on, I know exact. I know exactly who. Um, where? Uh, Dr. Lord have mercy. Dr. Hickenlooper is her name. Um, played by Tilda is Swinton. Is that the woman from Okja? I think, yes. Yeah. Uh, played by Tilda Swinton, who is one of my favorite actresses. Um, she is absolutely phenomenal in everything I've seen her in. Um, I highly recommend watching some of her movies. Especially, um, she's really good in Snowpiercer. The, uh, Bong Joon-ho train movie um with chris evans it's a really good movie um for me uh my favorite 
favorite guy. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Jeff Goldblum, who plays the alien. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just kidding, but that was all. I that was one of the best jokes in the entire movie. Yeah, um, that really was so silly. I'm I'm trying. I mean, on, I actually, I just have to. I have to go with Steve Carell. Yeah, he was just the highlight of this movie for me. Like he was so funny. Um. Also, uh, last week they announced the Oscar shortlists for a mm. few categories, like um, best visual effects, best international feature, best short film. Um. And uh, one of the one categories that got shortlisted um, was best original song. Um, and there were, you know, Barbie getting some a lot of choices. Um, Peaches from the Mario Brothers movie not getting on there. Um, <laughs> but one thing that stuck out to me was the Dear Alien song from this movie is on the Oscar shortlist. Yeah. So it has a chance. I, I don't think it will. <laughs> But it's funny that was in the Oscars top twenty. That's cool. I love that. Um, I think Wes Anderson, in in two different ways, is he one very accessible for people? Mm-hmm. Because like with stuff like you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox, like he's not on that kind of like higher scale where it's like kind of hard to understand. But at the same time. Due to, like, it's, you know, dry kind of humor and it's, like, very distinct uh, look. It's, it's kind of hard sometimes to get a lot of emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this is probably his most emotional movie since The Royal Tenenbaums. God, yeah. I need to watch that movie so bad. And um, one thing I think is interesting is this year... One of the big running themes, um, alongside a lot of movies, was directors making movies that were kind of them, like, reconciling with their past, like, works. Mm. Um, you had uh, Martin Scorsese do this with Killers of Flower Moon. Um, there was talk that uh, there's some of it with uh, Christopher Nolan and Oppenheimer. There's uh, David Fincher and The Killer. There's Hayao Miyazaki and The Boy and the Heron. Um, there's just a lot of these where it's directors kind of addressing what they've done in the past and like what it's kind of meant. And I think this is also very heavily in those categories because I think I read this somewhere and I, I don't know who it was so I can't really give him credit, unfortunately. But like the question is that... So one big thing with this movie is that everything at Asteroid City is a play that -hmm. is being put on. And um, one running thing is that the person who, like, directed it is constantly asked questions about, like, what's going on. And um, there's, like, a theory that that's, like, very similar to how Wes Anderson movies go, where people are always asking them, like, what's the meaning of it? What's the purpose? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think, and it's one of these movies where the first time it's kind of hard to to get a lot out of. But if you like watch it a second time with maybe a loose idea of what it could be about, it changes it up a lot. Um, it's just a fantastic movie all around. I it is just out of my top ten of the year, and it hurts because it has been sitting on my top four for like a month now. Um, 
Well, thank you for bringing this movie case. Um, yeah. Glad I got to talk about it here. Um, and let's move on to the next person. All right, so you may, the next guest, you may have heard her from our Scream episode back in October. Um, so back again, we have Michaela. I say hi. Hi. <laughs> Uh, what what movie did you choose as your favorite of the year? The new Hunger Games. Um, why 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 the Hunger Games? You know, of all movies, gotta ask. Cause I couldn't scream. Good good point. <laughs> um, well, it is also a movie that uh we got to see um at the same time, which was pretty cool. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like a loser. Just kidding. Yeah, you, why am I the loser for for inviting you um, to your favorite movie of the year? You know? I mean, it kind of is like yeah, I've seen all year. Yeah. So. Um. I did a movie this year. Thank you very much. Well. I think. Um, this was kind <laughs> of my my reintroduction back to the Hunger Games because I've only seen the first one. Haven't seen. Two. Yeah, this this one what? and the first one. Why yeah. would you watch the new one if you've only seen the first? This, this one? is a this is a prequel, so like I don't have it's to. It's a prequel. Yeah, so it's happened before, you, so it's not well, like you have every single one. You have to. I I feel like I have a good idea for how they go. Like I read oh, every single one. I I read Catching Fire and I read half of Mockingjay. Like I'm fine. I'll get I'll get to them one day, um, but yeah. So this was my my reintroduction back to this kind of universe, and I thought this was a really fantastic movie. Um, and uh, okay, so specifically Michaela, because I'm I'm just for in good faith not asking this question, to Audrey. Um, what is what is your opinion? On the actor who plays Coriolanus Snow. <laughs> what kind of opinion are you asking for? Just, just like general thoughts. Like general. Just, just general thoughts. It, it, just anything. It could, it could be anything. I don't know. I think he played the part of Snow really well. He kind of gives Draco Malfoy vibes when. It... Yeah. When a when a guy gets a buzz cut, you're, it's just not a good. Yes. Um, uh, he looked like Eminem when he shaved his head. He did. Yeah, that too. He did. Um, this movie also helped. Uh, I think Rachel Zegler come back out of her little Snow White hole she was kind of burying herself in. Yeah. Is that the girl who's? Oh. Probably. Um, what is it played on? I've never seen her before. She was in um, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and the recent West Side Story. She was in Shazam. Yeah, the new one, which no one saw. Like the including one. Huh? They make a second. They made they made a second Shazam. It was just okay. Oh. It was kind of a little boring. Um, I've seen it. But I mean, no. this movie. I think, I think it's been agreed on. This movie could have been two movies. 
Yeah, it could have been. It was kind of long. Uh, I don't. I don't think the length was a problem because I was never bored. I just think, especially the ending stuff, just felt it was too rushed, and I would have liked a little bit more with the characters. So you don't have. You can't say that. But I've read the book. Like I read the <laughs> Out of Songbirds and Snake book like a few years ago. So I was like familiar with this story. Um, though I, I did dislike the ending more in the book than I did the, because like in the movie they could keep it like interesting when he got to District Twelve, but in the book it was just like nothing happened. Like I hated the ending of the book. Um, maybe if I reread it sometime it'll it'll get better now that I have the movie in mind. Um, I, I didn't really like let I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I liked the ending. I just I I did feel just a tad bit rushed, but I really liked the movie. It was so good. It's it's always interesting for basically a movie to point and laugh at you for basically rooting for a person you know is a villain. Like Well. Because like I was not rooting for Snow. I was rooting for Lucy. Oh, Lucy Gray. Yeah. Um, and it's just only a tiny bit concerning to see all the edits of uh, Tom Blythe as Coriolanus Snow that are circling the internet. Um, even circling uh, some of me and Audrey's friends. It's just it's just a little concerning. Um, yeah. Um, hot take. Kind of ugly. The only thing that made him pretty was his hair. Okay, he got ugly when he shaved he his did, head. He did. It got worse when he shaved his head. Um, this movie has a very, very good uh, supporting cast. Um, Jason Schwartzman, who me and Audrey literally like just talked about um, in Asteroid City, um, played uh, Lucretius Lucky Flickerman. And shut up! Oh my god, that was so annoying. I love. I, hate his I love. So much. I love the character though. He's so much fun. Oh no, I love the character. Um, Did he have to say his name every time? I hated say. it. Um. Who? Lucky, Lucky Fickerman. The. What? The host of the Hunger Games. The first ever host of the Hunger Games, as he would, as he mentioned. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um. Uh, Viola Davis as Dr. Volumina, L- Voluminia Gall. Is that the one that, like, came up with the, but, like, created the game or whatever? I think, maybe. She's the one with the snakes. Yeah, I was gonna say snakes, but I didn't know yeah. She was, she's the most outright villainous I love character. her. I was rooting for her. I'm gonna lie. She was, she was great. Um, Peter Dinklage as, uh, Casca Highbottom. The creator of the games, who is then feeling a little remorse and wants the games to end. Um, and I think his character is where I wanted more from. Because that's kind of an interesting way to go from, is have the creator of the games regret it and want it to be over. And to kind of have the idea and the implementation of the games kind of go past what he wanted. Um, and I just, I think there could have been more done to, to in like, 
more deeply fl- flesh out his character. I don't um, know. I feel like I feel like him like trying a little bit made a li- made more sense than him like going all out. Well, I don't think he would have gone out, but I would. I would have liked more scenes where he's like you could see like regretting what he's doing, like especially during the games. Um. I I don't know. I didn't want more. It made sense to me. I really liked how much screen time and how much yeah. attention he got. Um. One other thing I, I really liked about it was how like. The Hunger Games kind of felt scary a little bit again. Like, it, like, hit a lot more that, like, oh, these are children. Um, and, like, some of the violent stuff that happens. Um, there's specifically, without without going into too many spoilers, a scene with snakes during the actual Hunger Games. Um, Audrey, do you, do you, are you guys aware of what I am talking about? I think so. With a certain character and snakes, um, which just color boy girl, but I don't want to say anything more. Um, why? Well, then I was gonna talk. You know, honestly, if they don't spoilers, then they watching well, that doesn't that doesn't help you out at all. Okay. All right. Fine. I will talk. Okay. So there is um so there's just not a lot of movement happening currently in the pit, right? And they're just wanting the games to end. So they s- they send out a giant vat of snakes. And the first person to walk towards this vat of snakes is a, like, I don't know how young she is, but she's, like, probably the youngest you can possibly be. And she has uh, Down syndrome. And the case breaks open, and the snakes just swarm her. And... That's what I think move I like the Hunger Games scenes are the best part in my opinion. That's those parts are where the movie shines. And it's because like it really makes you like I think you get to see stuff that's happening on the inside, but kind of having this outside perspective of the Hunger Games where we're not really always following characters in it like we do with the original ones with Jennifer Lawrence. But like we have to like just sit there and it's just Really, because with, obviously, yeah, you can, like, root for Rachel Zegler's character in this movie, but in the first Hunger Games, you're more just rooting for Katniss, and most of the other characters' deaths don't really matter. But in this one, like, even some of the more unlikable children are still children, and I think it really uses that to to make this movie like pretty dark for like the middle chunk of it um and surprisingly pretty violent for a PG-13 movie um, I was thinking with the scene you were talking about you're going to talk about how the main like antagonist no not the main antagonist but one of the antagonists in the pit reach out to Lucy Gray and say please I can't I couldn't have killed them all for nothing just I mean, these are children. That hit it's, so hard. Um, okay, final final little question. Um, it's a very it's a different question than what I normally ask to kind of end these little segments off. Um, what would you guys? What what's your strategy if you're in the Hunger Games? What would you do? Like you're in the Grab pit. Grab a gun and kill myself. Well, I do. What I did 
I'd hide until everybody else. That's a that's a good Only- strategy. Um, they don't have guns, Audrey. I don't think they have guns in the pit. It's more like melee weapons. What what would you would you go for the middle part with all the weapons? Would you run away? How would you? I'd probably hide, wait till everyone's asleep, and then kill everyone while they sleep. Well, I I doubt they'd sleep because like you know that would be unless they would probably like, sleep high up. So. Um. There could be somebody on watch. They may not like on. I have learned uh, the worst thing to do in the Hunger Games. Do not make alliances. That's the worst possible thing. Okay, that's fine. But like a group alliance, there's always going to be betrayals. Yeah, no, not a group. You trust one person, only yeah. one. Um. Well, uh, thank you, Michaela, for, for coming back and discussing the Hunger Games. Um... And let's let's move on to the the next movie. All right, next up um, is a person who has been on um, episodic cinema before, but it is his first time on this podcast, um, and is a very is a person who, uh, when I was getting people like ready to do this. It was one where I did not even need to ask what movie he was going to bring um, because he has been very, very excited about it for months now. So, um, welcome, Gray. Um, Hi. What, what movie? Also. Oh, yes. Fun fact. Uh, the first person on the episode, Izzy, also picked this movie. Um, so, this is multiple. Was, you was already taken. So, when, you, so when he says this movie, taken. this movie was very, very wanted by a good bit of people. Um, oh, so, Gray, what what is your movie? My movie is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah! It's such a... Okay, so why why Spider-Man? Why Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? I gotta... It's a dumb question, but I gotta well, ask it. Oh. Well, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I think it is a great sequel to End of the Spider-Verse. It's a very beautiful movie, and I think the, the like, theme of can't have your cake and eat it too is so prevalent throughout the movie that it's just it oh it's amazing and i love it so much and the characters are really good i um big fan of the the original into the spider verse i saw it um in my old local theater back in 2018 when it came out it is um probably well not anymore was my um favorite animated movie of all time but it was beaten by this movie, actually. Um, I said earlier on this on this podcast, like this episode, that John Wick was kind of that first movie where I was like, oh, this year's got good movies. But when this came out in June, it like really blew me away with how just spectacular this movie was. Um, it's been it's been disappointing because I saw it first in. Um, big IMAX screen with my granddad and then I went to camp and then I came back still thinking about it and then I took my brother and my dad to see it and all three of my family members who saw it with me hated it um I think my granddad thought it was thought it was just too much for his like brain to comprehend and then my my dad and my brother hated the ending which I still uh I still can support the ending a lot I still love it um, no, because yeah. 
if it if the, if they made it short and rushed the ending, I feel like it would not have been as good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think they I I mean it does stink because we were originally supposed to get Beyond the Spider-Verse like May of this of 2024, but it not happening this year due to the strikes. Um but I mean I think we'll probably get it in 2025. I think it's a safe bet. Uh, again, finger, fingers crossed. Um, but, like, the 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 original Into the Spider-Verse was kind of a, a big deal when it came out because it kind of changed animation a little bit. Like, there's always these movies that you can kind of pinpoint with changing the way movies kind of are made afterwards, I think. Um, Toy Story kind of changed things up. I think Shrek for, um, that changed it. And then this one kind of created this whole different kind of animation where it would blend in, like, 2D and 3D. And now, now it was been used on movies, um, movie, uh, The Mitchells vs. the Machines on Netflix last, I think it was last year, it was 2021, I think. Um, oh yeah, it was a while ago. It was definitely not last year. And the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles also kind of used that art style this year. Um, but, and it, it's funny because, like, obviously, they had that animation style to work with for the sequel, and they easily could have just done that again, and they would have been fine, but they did, e like, a ton more, um, and I know when I mention what I'm about to, I'm opening a giant can of worms, but everything involving, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's Spider-Punk, and... <laughs> and and the animation around him is just like I understand like these animators are doing something on a level that I'll never be able to understand but like I'm like baffled about how they were able to do it um I oh my gosh I love Spider-Punk's animation so much I I love the way that they did it because like his guitar his jacket and him himself are all on different frames yeah and that's what makes him like look chunky not chunky but like choppy <laughs> uh, makes his animation look choppy when he walks and oh i i love it it's so creative it's uh oh my god i love him so much i also like how it represents his character that he doesn't conform yeah oh it's so good um, he's smart Another thing really good about this movie, um, well, one is just every single character works in this movie. Like, do I wish there was more of every single character? Absolutely. They're all amazing. But each one gets just enough to where I'm like, all right, we're good. Like, we got enough of the characters we needed. Um, there's, there's not, even though there are characters in this movie, specifically one who's not the most likable of people, um... They still feel at least decently rounded out to where I, I did not mind the fact that we would wait a little bit to see more of them. Um, so, how do you guys feel? Because I know this is like sometimes, you know, not... Um, because, Lord, I'm, I'm just trying to... I know what I'm trying to say, but I'm like getting twisted up. How do you guys feel about Spot as the antagonist? Because, you know, in the first movie... Um, even though I wouldn't say Kingpin is, like, the most famous Spider-Man villain, he's still pretty well-known, but the spot is 
as it's kind of said in the movie, a very villain of the week person. Not really someone ever, someone anyone ever has thought of to be a main villain. How do you guys feel he was handled? Okay, uh, I think that spot is very interesting because, like you said, uh, villain of the week. I didn't know him before this movie, but apparently he's in the like the Miles Morales comics, and I did not know that until this movie. But I think the fact that he's unknown works very well with his character and the fact that he's trying to make himself something mm -hmm. and the fact that he's unknown to the audience yeah. also helps with that fact that he's trying to make an impression. It's not just on the characters, but it's also on the audience. Also, the way they tie him back to the first Spider-Verse movie was hilarious to watch. Yeah. Um, I'm, there's, um, I think, some like leaked or just released, I'm not sure if it was, like, leaked or not, uh, concept art for Beyond the Spider-Verse, where it's, like, a ginormous, like, kaiju spot. And I, I'm so excited to see what they do with this character. Um, this is the third time we've had to, uh, talk about a Jason Schwartzman character on this episode. Um, with this, Hunger Games and Asteroid City, he is good year for him. Um, mm -hmm. very true. So, I, I, another thing, and it's kind of become very... Wait, I never got to say how I felt. Oh, sorry. So, I have no idea how Audrey feels about this movie. Audrey, what did you think? No, about the question. You asked about... Oh, yeah. Feel, oh, about, sorry. About how do you feel about... How do you feel about the I villain? I was waiting for Gray to finish. Sorry. Anyways, I think that it was really... It's really smart in the way that they... You can't treat every villain like the villain of the week. Yeah. You have to take it seriously. Or else they'll become a bigger problem. It's like and it's I like think it's really adamant in this movie. It's like Joker. It. It's like Joker in the Lego Batman movie. Like it's 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 very much like that. Yeah. Which I I just and I loved watching him realize how powerful he could be, yeah. and then he stopped being funny. Like he was dead yeah. serious, and it was like so scary. That's what scares mm -hmm. me. When someone stops being funny and they start being serious, that is scary, and I love it. Um. So, over the past few years with movies like uh, Wreck-It Ralph and Ready Player One, there's been a, a big rise in um, movies that just stuff a bunch of famous references in the movie to get, like, that fun, like, point and laugh or point and, like, smile. Like, oh, I recognize that. Um, how do you feel like those kind of references were handled in this movie? Because there, there are... There are a lot of references to Spider-Man history. Well, of course there's the Spider Society with all the different spider people in it. And I think that was really well done yeah. with, like, especially in the beginning when they're walking through the lobby and, like, the spider people are making jokes and there's little, like, comic book text saying what they're from and what Spider-Man they are. And the only other one I can think of is when they... Uh, they do that Spider-Man pointing meme. <laughs> and I, I love that, that part. That was my favorite. Oh, it... mm. No! They're doing the thing. Like, I I did I did laugh at it. And I, I'm going to be honest, I loved it, but it seems a little out of place. I mean, it kind of yeah. makes sense because all the Spider-People, they're kind of like on the same, like, brainwave. Mm -hmm. But it, like, looking back, it seems like a little bit out of place, but I do appreciate it being in mm. the movie. I will say... I was losing my mind when um, Donald Glover appeared as Prowler. 
Um, because I am, I'm a big, uh, community fan and, uh, Childish Gambino fans, and I was losing my mind in the theater. Oh my god, um, I can't believe that, like, I can't believe that him and Hobie Brown interacted, I plus, lost plus, uh, mind. plus Lego Spider-Man, um, which, fun fact to probably Audrey, because I'm pretty sure Gray already knows this, that Lego Spider-Man scene was, uh, animated by a 14-year-old. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah, he turned 15 recently. Well, not Which recently, but... Which is really cool. Long. Um, yeah, I mean, like, this will be winning Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. There's no way it doesn't. Um, there is... There will probably be a push for this to get Best uh, Picture nominated, which I I don't think is going to happen just because of how animation is treated at the Oscars, but would be absolutely amazing if it got the win. I would be all for it. Um, because this is, this is in my top three of the year. I love this movie so much. Um. Watching it last night, I can agree. It is so good, and I'm really mad I waited this long to watch it. <laughs> um. I, I remember watching it, like, right after the 4th of July, like, in my grandpa, or my grandma's spare bedroom, like, on a, uh, not legal website and <laughs> i've been thinking about it since then i haven't stopped thinking about it since that night me neither i can't i have not been able i have seen it three times just absolutely i amazing. love the world building the world bi- building oh my god oh um god. well thank thank you gray for being here and talking about this movie um this probably will not be the last time we discuss this uh movie um, I had well, fun. Thank you for having me. Of course. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right, let's go to the next movie. All right, next up, we have a person who's it's also their first time on any of these podcasts, um, but it is someone who shares um, my slight movie obsession um and is one that has helped me got into a good bit of movies that i would have never even heard about um welcome fenton uh hello my favorite movie of 2023 is the iron claw i really enjoyed this movie because when i was little i was really big into wrestling and then that died out once i got older but this movie helped me, helped me uh, like relive my like kind of like childhood, I guess, and just hearing like seeing all the old wrestlers that my dad told me about and everything was really cool. Seeing them on the big screen. Um, I, I very this is the most recent movie that we will yeah, be talking yeah. about here. Um, and we both saw it, I think, a day apart. Yeah. And this is in my top twenty of the year. It is my um, number one. It is just a phenomenal, I think, um, without spoiling, because Audrey, you know, has not seen it here. Um, but what this movie does best is takes this kind of, like, generic sports movie template that some of these movies might try to adhere to, and it uses it to kind of um, lure the audience into kind of this sense of false hope in a better, I guess that's the best way I can think to word it, um, because this is easily maybe the most depressing movie of the year. Definitely. I don't um, think anything even comes close. I think I described, I don't know where I've described it, but I have described it as the feel-bad movie of the of the holiday. Um, yeah. It's, but... It's a, it's a 
really depressing. First movie that made me cry in a while. Um. Well, to to Audrey and to anyone who has not gotten the chance to see this, um, it's a movie about the Von Erichs family, um, a family of wrestlers back in the eighties. Um, and it stars um Zac Efron, who's you know most known for the uh, High School Musical oh, movies. The for this, actually. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Also, Jeremy Allen White, who was in the show The Bear, which had a second season this year. It is one of my favorite shows ever. Um, he's phenomenal. It has uh, Harris Dickinson, who his most recent thing before this was um, Triangle of Sadness, which was nominated for some Oscars last year, and I really liked it. Um, and then also actors like uh, Maura Tierney, Stanley Simmons, or Simons, Holt, McCall- Holt McCallany, and Lily James. Um, and this movie is really, a really big ensemble movie, um, where the, the best part about the acting is the, like, there's a, there's no one here in the main family that gives a bad performance. There's real good chemistry between all the brothers, makes them feel like actual family. And they, the brothers, even though none of them are even closely related in real life, have more of a brotherly bond than me and my actual brother. Um, yes, I saw an interview that they did, um, and they were talking about the chemistry, and everyone just, like, had some interesting things. Oh. Just, just cut out for a second. Okay, so we're, we're back, um... Yeah, also, also one other big thing about this movie, um, and do it with the performances, is how the actors look. Um, specifically Zac Efron, because, like, um, he's always been, like, a, you know, in, like, in shape, like, shape person, but in this movie, this dude is huge. Um, like, he did, like... Huge for he's insane. Like... Just a very um, intimidating presence um, on the screen. I have I have seen on Twitter this very big push for an Oscar nomination. I think he absolutely deserves it. It you would never expect a guy like Zac Efron to put on a performance like that. Uh, it, it's just a it's a shame that the the best actor lineup this I think. Most of the acting lineups this year are very contentious. Like, they, there are so many people. Um, for, like, Best Actor, there's Killian Murphy, Bradley Cooper, Paul Giamatti, Jeffrey Wright, Leonardo DiCaprio, Coleman Domingo, and then Zac Efron. Like, it's, it, there's, it's not impossible. Like, I do think in the like, back of my mind, there is a chance that he slips in. But... It's going to be difficult, and I think he really needs to have a really good campaign, because I also, I also do think he deserves it. He, specifically his physical performance. I think in terms of um, an emotional performance, I think it takes him a bit to shine, but he, he really gets to in, like, the final scene. Um, but, like, in, in terms of a physical sense, like, he is just, like, you can tell he's, like, a, playing someone very different than... Zac Efron. I um, also think that Stanley Simons should be in the conversation for Best Supporting Actor. I think and all... 
I think the other yeah. three main family members should, like, the dad and, like, um, but, like, I think, uh, going off what you said, um, Stanley Simons plays Mike Von Erich, who is, I think, the youngest brother, correct? Yeah, he's, like, yeah, he's, like, the, he's the outcast of the family, really. Because he's more, he's not into wrestling, and he's more into, like, I think he says cameras, that's his big thing. Yeah, music um, and cameras. And he basically does wrestling just because that's what he feels like he has to do. Um, and this is, I think, you know, a lot of people got their emotional kick out of the stuff with Zac Efron. That is where I connected to it. And where I found me, like, getting more of the emotional side is especially his first fight. Um, yeah, that's rough. It's, and, um, again, I, even though it is a, a true story, I, I am trying not to, um, spoil anything, because I do think it's best to go into this movie blind and not be aware of what happens, um. See, I, I was, like, fully aware of this whole story and everything that happened. Me but too. It still hit me I, like a truck. Like, I, I, I watched, like, a whole YouTube video about the history, like, the night before to get prepared um, um, another thing about this movie, um, is this movie is maybe top, not, not number one, I don't think, but one of the best shot movies of the entire year. Um, there's not a single frame of this movie that doesn't look absolutely beautiful. And I, I think it beats Talk To Me's montage when, when the wrestling montage was going like throughout the years, I thought that was a perfect scene. It was playing uh, Tom, uh, Tom Sawyer by Rush, which was their entrance music. That was a perfect montage. Um, another, another, I think, top shot of the year is there's a uh, shot with the three brothers um, with their faces kind of all on each other. I, I, I'm not, I don't know how to best describe the shot. Do you, do you remember which one I'm talking about? Maybe, I'm trying to remember. I it's think like, so, yeah. It's totally. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's, um... Like, all three of the brothers' fate, well, except for, uh, Stanley Simon's character, um, they've all, like, they're all basically in a, uh, uh, what's, locker room, and their faces are, like, all on each other, but, um, they're all kind of faded, and, like, it's just amazing. Um, there's also a scene and shot with a, uh, coin flip that is phenomenal, yeah, that's, that was a good scene. Um, and then really any wrestling scene in this movie is just... Um, there's one big one with uh, a heavyweight champion, Zac Efron, which is just phenomenal. Um, yeah, I, and also the soundtrack is outstanding. I, I started listening to um, Don't Fear the Reaper by... Oh, um, I've always loved that song. By uh, Blue Oyster Cult... Ooh, cool which I had previously only known from an SNL skit with Will Ferrell. It's the best SNL skit. Um, and I, I thought it was fantastic. It, um... I Okay, so no spoilers, but I have, I've been meaning to ask. So there's a scene near the end that kind of breaks reality a bit, and, and not going too into detail, because... Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. How, what's your opinion on it? Without spoiling anything, how did you feel about it? Uh, first, I thought, like, I don't know how I feel about this, but the way they did it, it wasn't 
cheesy. It wasn't yeah. stupid. It felt like it just felt like it should be there, especially oh. if the other brother who we never got to meet that yeah. one. Like if they did it well, if you're if that's hard to pull off in a movie and mm-hmm. they did it good. And I think that same thing can be said to the ending, which um, I know you really liked. Yeah, it's the perfect ending. It, 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 it's oh. the scene that broke me. I made it through the whole movie, but the ending broke me. I think just I was talking to my mom about this movie, and I think talking about the ending and what really happened like helps a lot. Um, it's just, again, feel-bad movie of the year, and I'm, um, you know, recently... I have, like, you know, made, like, things, of posted a video of my favorite movies of the year and, um, all this stuff, and, um, because I, I had just finished my all day at the movies, uh, my second one, and re, and for a good time, uh, the Iron Claw was gonna be a part of that. It was gonna be, like, directly in the middle, and I, I'm very glad that I got the chance to see it before that, or, like, not see it on the all day, because, it really deserves to be watched on its own and then has, the, like, time to just let you think about it. Yeah. Um, like, after I saw I sat in the car for a good, like, five minutes just just thinking about it. Like, we didn't even drive off. Just thought about that movie and talked about it. It was so good. Um, I also think, I don't know the name off the top of my head, but the song that Mike Von Eric sings and it plays during the yeah. uh, end of it, I think that should be nominated for best original song for a movie. It was fantastic. Um, I'm. I mean, like every every year, um, just because of their prestigious nature, I'm always just like a little nervous with like a twenty four. I mean, next year probably the most right now. Just like unsure if they can like you know keep raising the bar. Um, and I mean this year they had a little bit of struggles. Like you know, Bo was afraid. Um, lost a lot of yeah, money. I was afraid. But they they ended off in the best way possible. In my personal opinion, their best movie ever. I, I think I still have to go with Moonlight, but this one is up there as one of the best. Um, so I, I got Bo is afraid was my number one for most of the year. I think like when did Bo is afraid come out? Like March around then. I think it was April. April, like yeah. it was number one for so long. Even like after Oppenheimer and everything, and I didn't think anything was gonna top it, and just just blew it out the window. Like it was amazing. Um, so I, I have to ask before we close out this little part, um, Audrey, have we convinced you to see the Iron Claw? Are you are you gonna watch uh, it? if I can, if it ever comes out on anything, I will definitely look at it. I think uh, recently A twenty four made a deal with uh, Max, so all their movies will be going yeah. there. So. Um, definitely have to check it out. Um, if I remember, I will. I will remind you, probably. Yes, um, you will. Um, yeah. well, thank you, Fenton, for being here and talking about the movie. Thanks um, for having me. And hey, it's still in theater, so of all these, I definitely go. Yeah, I got sick. Again. Go, go check it out. <laughs> well. All right. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Let's see ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right, for our final guest on this episode is someone who was on here not too long ago discussing with me and Audrey about The Breakfast Club. Um, So to end off this episode, we have Silas. Hello. And what movie was your favorite of the year? My favorite movie of the year was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, by far. 
and um, and a year of constantly failing superhero movies. Uh, why was that? So, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One and Two were already amazing movies, in my opinion. But Volume Three took the ideas the first two had, but they added depth and extra drama and feeling to the whole thing while keeping the same comedic and fun tone at the same time. Um, I, I think it may be a little controversial to say, but like Guardians 1 and 2 aren't my favorite Marvel movies. Um, I like the first one a good bit. I think the second one has just a little bit. I think there's a great movie in 2 that's just buried underneath a little bit of just... I don't know, the MCU Disney side of it. I think with Guardians 2, its biggest problem is the fact that it's PG-13. That That's what I think. But Guardians yeah. 3, Guardians 3 won me over, not at first. I didn't, I didn't love it first. But, like, I saw it a second time with my granddad, and that's the, that's when it really hit me. Because this is one of the two movies this year that has made me cry. Um, and, um, and the thing about that is it happened multiple times in the movie. Um, oh, yeah. This movie is, like, it's obviously a part of, you know, the MCU, which is recently not doing the best. Uh, the Marvels flopped, uh, Secret Invasion failed on Disney+, Plus. Ant-Man flopped, like, it's, like, it's failing. But in, you know, this time where Disney is just keeps tripping up over its own feet. Like, this movie was just phenomenal. Um, uh, it was so much better than anything that they put out, in my opinion, for, honestly, a couple years. Um, and it's, Agreed. It's funny to see that uh, the minute James Gunn was done with this, making the best Disney movie of the year, he immediately went to DC and is starting on that universe, which... I am I'm I'm getting annoyed by a lot of the hate that he is give, getting. Um I think it's a very similar thing to like Taika Waititi. Um because like he that director was like on a high like on a high streak with Thor Ragnarok and um Jojo Rabbit, but then he made Thor Love and Thunder and that just all came crashing down and now everyone hates him for yeah. some reason, which I don't agree with at all. I think he's a decent director. Um and now there's all these people saying like how James Gunn's gonna ruin the DC universe if it wasn't already ruined already. Um, DC's universe is so much worse than Marvel's, which is saying a lot because Marvel's is already really bad. Yeah. Um, like recently, I got to see uh, Aquaman two: The Lost Kingdom in theaters, and it was really bad. Um. Oh, really? Like I did not like it. And, like, these are the people that are like, oh, James Gunn's gonna ruin it. It's already bad. Um, and this guy, and what I think is really good with James Gunn and what he's doing with DC is that he's honest. Like, if there's a rumor going out there, like, oh, this person's cast in this movie, or this character's gonna be in the Batman 2, like, he will come out and say no. Um, he is very consistent with casting uh, decisions. Like, recently, Nicholas Holt from... Um, Renfield and the menu. Um, he's been cast as Lex Luthor. He like he's been on top of like making sure people's questions are answered. I am very excited to see what he does with DC because 
man, he made the best trilogy in Marvel right now. Mate, mate, it's like it's this or Captain America. I think we can agree on that one. Um, Personally, for me, I think the greatest thing that one one of the greatest things that Guardians Three did for me was that it made me kind of see the entire series in a slightly new way. Yeah. So I went from having like I think. I think it was like the first movie was a four, the second movie was a four and a half, and then when I first watched this movie, it was a five star. But then I went back and watched the first and second ones after the third one, and it just like, it changed everything, and those are now my three favorite movies of all time, and they're all wow. a definite five star for me. Um. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, just because it didn't feel like a cash grab. It felt like yeah, it, it fit really well within the story. It's it's so clear, especially with this movie, how much James Gunn cares about his characters. Um, like it, it's crazy. He got a really good performance out of a, an animated raccoon and Chris Pratt. Like how how do you get like these just really good emotional performances? Um, I think Bradley Cooper's performance here as Rocket Raccoon is up there with his performance in Maestro. Um. Like, he does such a good job with just his voice and, like, an animated raccoon. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's just so many other... And I feel like the decision with Groot at the end saying, like, we... Uh, I love I, you guys. Like, I love you guys, I you know? Um, like, that was, like, we the audience finally understands Groot, and that was just, yeah. like, a crazy idea. That was so good I'm and so in place for that movie. Cried. It's just that whole ending dance number broke me. Um, and I just, and I think with Marvel and what it's, you know, it really based its movies off of and then is now becoming its downfall was it was always teasing something next. It was always saying, all right, this this ended, but we got something more coming out. We'd always have the post-credit scenes. And this movie does have post-credit scenes. Like, it does tease that Star-Lord's coming back. Um, and that there's new Guardians. But it feels very conclusive. Um, and, that, yeah. and that, obviously, you may have to watch, like, Avengers Infinity War Endgame to understand why Gamora is acting the way she is. And you might have to watch the holiday special to understand, like the relationship between Mantis and Quill, but it feels like this trilogy is the most contained. Um, where it obviously... I definitely agree. It obviously connects to the bigger universe, but it works well as just a trilogy of superhero movies and nothing else. Um, and personally, I feel like one of the, another amazing thing that Guardians does is that the Guardians on their own have to deal with pretty much bigger things than Thanos was already. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, Thanos like had the power at the time to destroy half the universe, but the people that they defeated, like they literally like were part of the reason why it took Thanos so long after the first movie. And in the second movie, if they would have let ego get bigger, he would have been able to destroy the entire universe. Yeah. Like not just half. Um, Another thing, speaking of uh, the villains, this movie has top villain, one of the top villains of the year. I may, I am currently working on a little awards thing for me, 
and the villain, um, the the high evolutionary played by Chukwudi Awuji, um, is one of the best villains of the entire year. A lot of people disliked him a lot, but I thought that he was just a very dislikable character, but yeah. the acting was done very well. Um, and it's funny. The acting was phenomenal. It's funny seeing how now everyone wants him to be the main villain of the MCU more than they do Kang. Um, because of how badly Marvel is doing Kang. Um, especially now that the actor is, uh, arrested, so... I... It, like, Marvel already started this year off on, like, a shaky kind of ground. Um, and they are... They fell. Like, they're, they're not... I don't know how they're gonna pick themselves back up. I really, I really hope Deadpool 3, um is the thing to bring them fully back. Because, like, every time we're like, alright, Marvel's back, they just hit us back down. Like, I think post-Endgame, there was, like, all this, like, I don't know when Marvel's gonna be okay again. And then Spider-Man No Way Home came out. And we were like, oh yeah, okay, Marvel's back. It's gonna be great. And then Doctor Strange. And then Miss Marvel and Thor Love and Thunder. They kicked us back down. And then Guardians came out and everyone's like, oh, we're back. This is it. It's the... Marvel's finally doing good movies again, and then Secret Invasion came out. I feel out. like that's kind of how it's always been, though, is that they just pump out so much stuff that you don't really see it as much, but from the beginning, it's always been not very good, if I'm being completely honest. Like, you look back at the first Thor movie, bad. the, like, the original Hulk, it wasn't bad, but it just was yeah very mediocre. I think... And I th they're counting out of a part of it now. I think the thing that has really killed the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Disney Plus and the TV shows. Like, if they just yes. if they just stuck to movies, I think we would not nearly have a big of a problem as we are. Because um, while a lot of people did like, like, Loki... And WandaVision. Like, those did pretty I well. I don't think it was worth it. No. Um, because, like, recently the Marvels flopped at the box office, and this the biggest reason is because you had to watch two whole TV shows to understand what was happening. Like, it was, it was better when it was only two or three movies a year. People could manage that. But watching entire TV shows to understand things, it's just like, you're not going to get people... Like, I have not watched a Marvel show, I think, since Miss Marvel. Like, I never saw What If. I haven't seen Loki Season 2. Um, never saw Secret Invasion. Like, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for being negative about this, because it's just frustrating... Because this movie is really, really good. Um, because unlike every... It really is. Unlike everything else Disney made this year, it felt like a human made this. Like, there was someone who really deeply cared about this ca these characters and this story. And... Um... Because at the end of the day, even though it's a superhero movie and the world's gonna end and all this stuff, it's a found family movie. It's about just a group of outcasts, you know, finding family with each other and growing, and it's just, just so good. And you never expect, at the end of the year, to have the thing that made you cry be an animated raccoon. Like, it, but these movies are just so well, like, well done at just crafting these just amazing characters, and... In a year, I mean, in a time where movies get big and companies 
take the wrong idea from them. I mean, we are seeing it this year, this year with people taking the wrong idea from the Barbie movie. Um, oh my god! I have no idea why they won't learn from this movie and why it succeeded, where other <clears throat> movies failed. Because I think this may have been the only big Disney movie besides The Little Mermaid not to bomb. Because Wish, Marvel, the Marvels, um, the Indiana Jones, they all bombed. But this one did pretty well. Like, it didn't make a billion dollars, but it made back money. Um, it made back quite a good bit of money, and the ratings were higher than almost any yeah. other Marvel movie today. Um, like, I think Marvel, like, people who can't, like, don't defend Marvel will defend this movie. Because it's just really good. Um, well... Um, for the last time on this episode, I will say, uh, thank you, Silas, for, for talking about this movie. Um. Well, of course. And maybe, maybe sometime next year we might do a full Guardians, uh, a retrospective, maybe. Um, if we, all three of us can find time. That would be Um, fun. So, uh, thank you for being here. And, um, well, see you, Silas. See ya. Well, that was a lot. Um, it was quite a bit. That was a lot. Um, I mean, obviously, I've I've saw these movies before this, but you had to watch a lot. To, to I watched five. I mean, that that's still more than you normally do in a a weekly basis. Um, Very much so. But I want to ask. Um, before we end off, was there any of your favorite movies of the year that was not covered of the ten? Or any ones oh, that you would like to talk about? That's so difficult. Ah, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> I feel like I should have warned you. I just kind of threw this on you. Um, I don't know. While, while you're thinking, I do want to I... I don't know. It's so hard to think about all the movies that came out this year. Uh, two I want to bring up. One um, is The Holdovers. is one that I want to throw a big <laughs> honorable mention to. Um, came out a few weeks ago. I've seen it three times. I got to see it on Christmas Eve. I, I absolutely adore this movie. Um, it's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and then another movie that I want to bring up because I love it, but also because um, Jasmine who did the part with Barbie, um, recently um, admitted after seeing, literally the day we recorded the Barbie segment, that she found a new favorite, um, uh, Godzilla Minus One, um, the Godzilla movie from Japan. That came out early December, and I would also like to highlight that movie because it is phenomenal, and it is kind of just this, like, it's not laughing at Hollywood, but it's showing and proving what Hollywood is doing wrong. Um, with mm-hmm. its movies, because, like, it didn't have, like, a ton of budget. I think it was less than $15 million budget, and it looks phenomenal, and it's re- it's a really an emotional movie, and amazing theater experience. Um, I've stalled for a bit. Audrey, you have any? any? Okay, um, there's a couple. One of them is gonna be Nimona. I love Nimona. Such a it good was movie. so good. I just, I like wanted to cry so much during that movie just because of how much you like feel. Oh, it was so good. I, I loved it. If we didn't Even spend, though it's a kid's movie. if we didn't spend the last like 15 minutes uh, complaining about Disney, uh, they canceled this movie for a bit until it was bought by Netflix and finished. 
Um, but this movie was in development by Blue Sky, who is responsible for the Ice Age movies. Um, and they were working on it, and then they got bought by Disney, and then was this movie was canceled, but then brought back to life by Netflix, and thankfully exists, because it is amazing. Yeah. Um, oh, there was another movie. Hold on, let me go, let me go back to my little... Little list of movies. I do have uh, I, I do have one movie if you won't if you don't bring it up that I would like to talk about before we end the episode. Oh, but... okay, this one it's definitely gonna be this one too. Yeah, Knock at the Cabin. Oh, uh, I I keep forgetting that Knock at the Cabin existed, um, because it felt like it was like so long ago, um, since we saw it. But like, such a good movie, um. M. Night Shyamalan does um, have a new movie coming out in 2024 called Trap um, with Josh Hartnett. Um, and it is described as a psychological thriller set at a concert. So I am I am so excited for it. Um, oh, that does sound good. And then one final movie I want to bring up um, before we end the episode. Because it is a movie that we both have a special attachment to. Um, because it's, it's pretty well documented that January is not a great year, month for movies. It's usually, uh, just, you know, movies that studios can't really release in December and they just dump it on. It's not usually a good month, but this December was really good. Um, one this year was called, uh, that came out in uh, January was called Missing, which was really good. Um, but one... That, that me and Audrey both have a, an incredible love for. Um, and it is probably up there with Barbie as my favorite movie theater experience. Um, and that is the uh, absolute masterpiece that was Megan. Um, <laughs> that came out this year? Yeah, like January. Oh, um, wow. I, I love Megan so much. It is just such a fun movie. Just, it was one of the best movie experiences, not gonna lie. I I absolutely adored watching this movie, and I just, I needed to the, I had to fit it in somewhere in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Well, if you've made it to the end of this... Um, congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> um, because, goodness, I, I expected this episode to be long, but I did not expect it to be this long. Um... But I want to thank uh, everyone who listened to this. I also want to thank everyone who listened to Episodic Cinema um, for the episodes when I was doing that. I hope maybe to bring it back um, in a way in 2024 just because um, I really enjoyed doing it. And I, just, I you know, I got to, to start these podcasts this year and it was um, just absolutely amazing and it's been really great seeing people support it because I've. It's fun to have this outlet to discuss these movies, and that's not just bothering my mother. Um, um, it's so, really nice recording and talking about yeah. movies. I really do enjoy it. Um, so I, I want to say thank you to the people who listened, um, especially the ones who are still, uh, you know, going strong after two hours of talking about movies. Um, me and Audrey are going to be back, um, 2024, more episodes. Yeah. Um, I'll also, uh, go to the Movie Draft podcast with, uh, me, Case, and Vinny, um, who are all in this episode. Hello. Because 
you know, I haven't posted about it a lot on my Instagram page, but I am very proud of that podcast. It's been really fun. Um, and then stay up to date with episodic cinema because I plan on doing stuff with that this year. Um, took a little bit of a break because I've been focused on this and just being pretty stressed out about senior year, but I, I have, I have plans. Actually, I don't, I, I, I've thought about having plans for episodic cinema, but I will start uh, working on that. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone. Um, and we will see you all in 2024.